Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to preview week six in fantasy football for you. And Jared, it's a week to discuss some overreactions, to make some adjustments for players that we lost to injury, and of course, to make some key waiver pickups. And that's where we're going to start because one of the biggest waiver stories this week has been that Arizona backfield with James Conner going down. He's hit IR, so we know he's going to miss four games. And that made Imari DiMarcato go from somebody that absolutely none of us knew to somebody that every single league basically was clamming off of waivers this week. One of the big pickups we've got now that it's Thursday morning, we know that Keontae Ingram returned to a limited practice on Wednesday after missing the past two games with a neck injury. We've had several writers and other people point out that the Cardinals still list Keontae Ingram ahead of Imari DiMercato on their unofficial depth chart. Neither of these guys has proven anything. So I guess first hit me with what you expect from these two players this week and then what the value really is on either or both of them beyond that. Do you think the Cardinals coaches even ever see that unofficial depth chart? I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so I, I don't know what to, how, how much to weigh that. Well, I mean, the first thing we'll have to see if Ingram is ready to play because he, he did put in two limited practices last week and then still, you know, did not play in that game. So we'll, we'll see about that. Neither of these guys excite me as a player. I mean, you know, Keontae Ingram was what he was a, a, a sixth round pick kind of had a, just okay college career. And same thing with DiMarcado, okay college career, went undrafted. The one thing I think is worth mentioning is that Ingram was drafted by a previous regime in Arizona, whereas, you know, they, they got their new GM this offseason and, you know, he didn't draft DiMarcado, but did, you know, sign him as an undrafted free agent. So we're all just guessing. I don't think either of these guys is going to dominate backfield work. I think it's going to be a committee. Tony Jones might even get involved. I do still prefer DiMarcado, though, just because he has been doing the passing game stuff, um, even with a healthy James Conner over the last three weeks. Now, of course, Kent Ingram wasn't active for, for those games. And Kent Ingram actually did catch some passes in college. You know, he, he wasn't a zero in the passing game. So we can't even be sure that DiMarcado is going to get that stuff. Um, it's funny. DiMarcado was going for like 10 to 20 times as much on uh, the waiver wire last night in the leagues I'm in as, uh, you know, as Kansas Ingram. So I think Ingram was definitely the better value on waivers, but I do think um, DiMarcado is going to, you know, stay ahead of Ingram in our um, week six rankings. And if you're picking between them, I, I would go with DiMercato. The two most important things I think to set in your brain right now are one, probably neither of these players is that good. One's a sixth round pick. The other's an undrafted free agent. Neither one was awesome in college. So probably both of these guys are not that good. Second, we have no idea what the backfield is going to look like with the two of them. We have not seen the two of them together in a backfield with or without a healthy James Conner at this point. So we are all absolutely guessing. Just looking back at what we do know, they're both very similarly sized. DiMarcato is 5'9", 215 pounds, which is probably bigger than you would guess by seeing how he plays. Keontae Ingram is 6 feet, 221 pounds. So a little bit heavier, but also a little bit taller, probably about the same size width-wise. Keontae Ingram had 89 receptions across three years at Texas and one at USC. Five and a half yards per carry for his college career, seven and a half yards per catch. DiMarcato, 4.8 yards per carry, 6.9 yards per catch. So we mentioned on the waiver show earlier this week that he brings intriguing speed, especially for his size. 
but it didn't really convert into efficient running or receiving in college. And he only had 40 career receptions across five different seasons at TCU. DeMarcado had one year of 100-plus carries across those five seasons. Keontae Ingram had three years of 140-plus carries. So if we're just looking at the way the two of them performed in college, it sure looks like Keontae Ingram was the better college player. So again, we don't know anything about these guys, but we do know that DeMarcado is now on a roster in 65% of Yahoo leagues. Keontae Ingram's on a roster in 14%. That is yep. way too much certainty that DeMarcado is going to help anybody's fantasy team. And if I won DeMarcado on waivers this week, I would strongly consider going ahead and trying to sell him right now because it's probable that he's not going to increase in value from where he is perception-wise right now, and it's quite possible that he falls from there. If you were deciding between um, Javante Williams and one of these Cardinals backs, of course, Williams plays tonight, would you play Williams or would you wait? Not even close. I would play Javante Williams. To me, if Ingram ends up missing, I could definitely see DeMarcado over Javante Williams, but of course, you know, we're not going to know that by the time tonight's game kicks off. I'm with you. I I would play Javante if I was in that uh, scenario. And it certainly might end up being wrong, but here's what we know for sure about these guys. Javante Williams was a second round pick and DeMarcado was an undrafted free agent who has not done anything so far. And Javante Williams was a very good college player who ran in college in ways that got him compared to Nick Chubb as a runner coming out. So again, it might not work. DeMarcado might outscore (laughs) Javante Williams, but if we're deciding with all of these unknowns, with those knowns are making me go down with the wrong pick in Javante Williams. If that's how it ends up working out. No. Yeah. I mean, no doubt Javante Williams is the more talented player. He, he hasn't looked like that player so far this season coming off of the injury. And I think um, his volume tonight is definitely, you know, up in the air, but unless we hear for sure that Ingram's not going to play this weekend, I, I would you know go with Javante tonight. Now I'm going to move to a trade proposal that I saw on our discord this week that includes <laughs> Um, actually, both of the backfields that you just referenced. So we had a Draft Sharks user ask if he should trade Devontae Smith for Jaleel McLaughlin and Imari DiMarcado. And he was leaning toward making that deal, giving up Smith for those two running backs, reasoning that it looks like the, the Eagles have a few too many guys to spread the ball around to, and Devontae Smith's going to be frustrating. Whereas Jaleel McLaughlin has showed some juice, just scored last week, Imari DiMarcado as far as right now, looks like the best bet to lead Arizona's backfield and touches this week. For me, that's a dramatic overreaction on both sides of this deal, though, in that Devontae Smith's coming off about as low a point as you can possibly imagine the past two weeks, just hasn't scored the past two weeks. But it's not like he's disappearing from the offense. He's just in an offense where that's going to happen at times. And on the other side, we have McLaughlin, who even if he's very good the rest of the way, has limited touch upside. And DeMarcado, like we said, complete unknown at this point so to me it's an auto refuse if i had somebody ask this yep i'm with you and i think this is a perfect example of the type of trades i don't think you should be making if you were the side getting the two running backs here i think these you know two for one trades where you're giving up i mean Devontae smith is still easily the most valuable player in this trade right like i i think he's a good buy low right now i would be trying to acquire Devontae smith i don't think he's like you know the clear 
number three in this passing game. We've seen AJ Brown go off. We've seen Dallas Goddard go off last week. I think it's going to you know, swing in Devonta Smith's favor. So I think he's a he's a buy, and I think you should not be making trades where you're giving up. Maybe difference maker is too strong, but he's like a solid weekly wide receiver too. I think going forward still. Whereas McLaughlin and DeMarcado, I don't think they're going to be difference makers without you know injury luck to them. You know, maybe if Javante Williams misses a bunch more time, but you're, you're hoping at that point if you know everything kind of stays status quo. I think DeMarcado and McLaughlin are not going to be guys that you know win you fantasy weeks. And just to be clear, you say weekly wide receiver two for Devontae Smith. I agree that he's starting for most teams on a weekly basis. He's definitely not going to score consistently for you at that wide receiver two level every week because we're going to see things like we've seen so far. A.J. Brown is about 10 percentage points ahead of Devontae Smith in target share so far, which is a bit further than the gap was last year. And that definitely could be a problem. It's going to be frustrating going forward. But. We also know Devontae Smith's a very good player. We know that his quarterback is good. We know it's an efficient scoring offense. We know that he's capable of scoring on more limited opportunities. So I agree that his scoring is going to rebound from where it is. Yeah, and I expect that target share gap to, to shrink too, which is you know part of the reason I think Devontae Smith is by. I think Brown will remain ahead. But I think, you know, more like five percentage points is going to be the gap going forward than 10. I'm not as much targeting Devontae Smith as a buy low because I'm worried that that gap will stay where it is, given that the quarterback and A.J. Brown are best friends. <laughs> um, but there is he's going to be more helpful. Devontae Smith is going forward than he has been to this point. And I think this is a good deal to look at in that it's an opportunity to sell DiMarcado. Like if I hear that somebody was considering accepting that, I'm like, sweet. I'm going to go ahead and pair Amari DiMarcado with somebody and offer him for Devontae Smith in my league. For sure. Carolina backfield up next. Miles Sanders has already been dealing with a groin issue. Now he has added a shoulder issue. And Frank Reich said he may or may not be back in time for Sunday. We'll watch him throughout the practice week. There was no practice for Miles Sanders Sunday. I mean, the unfortunate story of Miles Sanders' career is plenty of injuries getting involved. We saw Chuba Hubbard get more carries than Miles Sanders each of the past two weeks, even with Miles Sanders being in the lineup. Two weeks ago, it seemed like it was probably because of the groin issue. Miles Sanders didn't practice Friday and then had limited work and even worse production in that game. This past week, they were getting blown out. Miles Sanders was the lead runner in the first half and then took a backseat in the second half, probably at least in part because of the blowout. But now apparently it was also at least in part because of the shoulder injury. I mean, we have to worry about Miles Sanders from this point forward. That should make Chuba Hubbard a pickup in most places. But what's what's your outlook for Hubbard? Is he somebody that could actually help you. I mean, yeah, we're talking about Amara, Amara DiMarcado helping fantasy teams. So like, you know, Chuba Hubbard is definitely worth grabbing. And, you know, if Sanders misses, um, I think Hubbard would be in the range that we're talking about with Amari DiMarcado. It's obviously not, I don't think Hubbard's an exciting player. It's not an exciting situation. The Panthers are uh, 26th as a team in total running back PPR points. Our uh, buddy Hayden Winks tracks, Expected fantasy points for, for backfields in total. The Panthers are 21st in expected fantasy points as a backfield. So, you know, they're not getting great usage. They're not producing great on that usage. So not an exciting situation. But again, if Sanders misses time, I think you could expect Hubbard to get, you know, 70% or so of the backfield work. And that alone would, you know, make him a uh, you know decent fantasy play. Yeah. And, you know, you might hear pick up Chuba Hubbard and think that's silly. He's already in leagues for many of you listening to this or watching this video. But Chuba Hubbard's still available in 71 percent of Yahoo leagues, 63 percent of sleeper leagues. So a lot more leagues find Imari DiMarcado rostered right now than find Chuba Hubbard rostered. I would rather have Chuba Hubbard than DiMarcado. You know, we'll see about the roles for each player heading into the weekend. So 
it's worth checking and your free agent finder is going to know whether Chuba Hubbard is available in your league and who else is available. So make sure all the rosters are updated with the button at the top of the page in your free agent finder, then weigh Hubbard against your other options, sort by this week's projections, sort by full season projections, consensus projections, even specific matchups. If you want to look at that, there's lots in there to help you make those decisions and weigh the available players versus what's currently on your roster. Jared, we had a rebound week from Calvin Ridley. We had a potential breakout week from Brees Hall. So that's what made this next trade, this next sample trade, interesting to me because it includes both of those guys. We've got one team giving away Brees Hall and Calvin Ridley, getting back Travis Kelsey and Zay Flowers. So I guess, first of all, which side of that trade would you be on, you know, assuming that you don't <laughs> especially need a running back so that we're trying to yeah. make this applicable for more teams? Yeah, I mean, you always need those caveats, right? Like who who is replacing Brees Hall in your lineup if you're giving him up? Who is Travis Kelsey replacing? Just, just in a vacuum, though, I would prefer the Kelsey and Zay Flowers side, I think. Um, Kelsey, to me, is still more valuable than Brees, you know, trying to compare across positions. And I mean, I don't see a huge gap between Calvin Ridley and Zay Flowers. I do prefer Ridley, but I don't think the gap is, you know, big enough to make up for that loss going from uh, Kelsey to Brees Hall. Yeah. So I guess first, how do you value Brees Hall going forward? I certainly agree that Travis Kelsey yeah. relative to position is more valuable <laughs> and you know, might maybe even not this week because he's dealing with the ankle sprain, but he's going to play through that. So we're not going to ding him too much long term. But how do you value Brees Hall coming off that huge game against Denver? Yeah, I would assume just based on name value and the fact that he just went off that, you know, Hall's probably probably a bit overvalued on the trademark right now. And I I love the player. To me, the biggest takeaway from last week was that the you know Jets were willing to give him you know over 20 touches after Robert Sala kind of said there's no longer a pitch count for Brees. Also, awesome player. I think the you know the touch share is going to be there for him. Man, I still think when the Jets aren't playing the Broncos, that's just, that's going to be a bad offense, and that's going to you know keep Hall from really hitting a ceiling. So I view him as like a weekly RB two going forward, just just based on the volume. But I don't think you're going to get you know consistent RB one production just because the offense is is going to be so bad. He's somebody that I would be willing to move right now if I'm you know in really good shape in the backfield, or if I'm doing it for some kind of trade where I get back a running back piece that's maybe not as good, plus an upgrade elsewhere. Not somebody that I would actively sell right now, unless I'm really loaded in the backfield and need some help elsewhere. I, I think it's, you know, we have to account for the matchup and Denver's as good a spot as any for running backs, but we also have to factor in that it came right after Robert Sala said, yeah, no more pitch count for Brees Hall. He's ready for everything. And even if the team sucks, he should be more involved as a receiver going forward. We'll see exactly what Zach Wilson means for that, but we don't really know yet to be able to downgrade it a whole lot. They should have lots of passing game work for Brees Hall to help out a limited quarterback. And then, you know, if the Kirk Cousins trade hopes that everybody has, if that came true, I mean, all of a sudden that could be, that could like unlock the ceiling for Brees Hall that everybody hoped there would be with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, for sure. That, that, that feels like a 1% outcome for me though. We just, <laughs> yeah. we don't, we don't see trades like that happen in the NFLs, especially with quarterbacks during the season. Sure. Yeah, don't don't make any moves anticipating <laughs> that. But if you're like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe. <laughs> I also want to ask about Calvin Ridley because he just came off a seven catch, 122 yard game on eight targets against Buffalo. That followed some disappointing outings beyond the week one game that got everybody excited about Calvin Ridley. So 
is he a sell high off of that game right now? Or is that a signal that maybe if we're patient, we're going to actually get a useful Calvin Ridley going forward? I mean, I definitely think we're going to get, going to get a useful Calvin Ridley. He's in Devonta Smith range for me, honestly. Like, I think, you know, he, he you're going to be starting him as like a wide receiver two-ish every week. And he's going to give you more wide receiver performances. He's going to give you some weeks where he finishes outside the top 30 wide receivers. Because I think where people went wrong with Ridley this summer was thinking he was going to be, you know, the clear alpha wide receiver there, the target hog, you know, getting, you know, 27, 28% of the targets. I think in some games he's gonna, but I think, you know, you have Christian Kirk there when certain matchups Jacksonville is going to feature him, you know, Evan Ingram's still a big part of the passing game. We'll see, you know, when Zay Jones can get healthy, but there's just a lot of, of bodies there. So um, I, I think Ridley could be a sell high this week. If you're getting kind of the, the value that you drafted him at, right. If you took Calvin Ridley and at the end of round two or anywhere, you know, front half of round three, if you can get that type of return for him, I would trade him. Otherwise he'd be, a, he'd be a hold for me. If you're looking at a guy as a sell high, make sure you don't forget about the high part. Sell high doesn't mean sell him for the best you can get. It means sell for a high price. If you don't get the high price, keep him because I agree. He's Devante Smith in an offense where there isn't an AJ Brown. And he's also probably not as clean a player as Devante Smith. If we swapped Calvin Ridley and Devante Smith right now, I think Devante Smith would be more consistently efficient than Calvin Ridley yeah. is in Jacksonville. Calvin Ridley, by the way, 43rd among wide receivers in target share so far that's adjusted for playing time tied for 22nd among wideouts in total targets so he does need to rebound in that area there is room for him to rebound some in that area but you know just don't assume that he's going to be as jared said like wide receiver 13 14 and target share yeah. going forward that doesn't look like it's what's going to happen he's probably still ascending too just considering all the time he missed right and he still only played five games like you know and i think maybe this past week against buffalo was a sign that you know he, he's sort of getting back into it yeah after all that missed time zay flowers you said you don't don't see a whole lot of difference between him and calvin ridley so he's involved in this next sample trade that we're going to then take into talking about the ravens the trade first Give Jeff Wilson Jr. and Cortland Sutton, get Zay Flowers. Let's assume PPR in this case. Which side do you want? I don't have a strong lean here, and I actually do think that Flowers is a buy right now. If anything, I think I'd go with the Wilson-Sutton side, though, and that's just because I'm excited about the upside that Jeff Wilson has. Like, I definitely, definitely prefer Zay Flowers to Sutton. Devin Achan and Raheem Ostert sit second and third right now among running backs in PPR points, just to, like, tell you, you know, how good that Dolphins running game has been. And if Wilson's healthy, I think – I think like right away, he's going to get, you know, 10 to 12 touches per game as, you know, maybe the one B to Raheem Mostert's one A. And then if Mostert goes down and we've talked about, he's what, you know, I think 31 years old, hardly ever played a healthy NFL season. If So, you know, if Mostert goes down, then you talk about Wilson as the lead back in this, uh, you know, awesome offense and awesome running game. The wide receiver upgrade isn't quite enough for me to give up Jeff Wilson. And Jeff Wilson's not built speed-wise the same way as A-Chan or, or Mostert, who are both very fast players. So he's not going to deliver the explosive plays, but he's also most built to likely get those touches near the goal line. So it's an offense where everybody is set up to score beyond what their expected scoring range would be. So if I don't need the running back, which, you know, a lot of teams do at this point, but if Jeff Wilson's a little bit extra to me, I think I'd be willing to give those two for Zay Flowers because I think there is upside, but I agree. It's it's certainly not a must from the other side. And then I think from that, the question is, what do we expect from these Ravens going forward? So they've been a little bit disappointing if you were expecting big things based on all the changes in the passing offense heading into the season. But I think to call it, truly disappointing is maybe a little bit unfair. I mean, we're five games into 
a season with a brand new OC, several brand new wide receivers. They're missing their starting running back coming into the season. Mark Andrews was dealing with an injury heading into the year. We've still got efficient passing from Lamar Jackson overall. Certainly some things that could be improved, smoothed out. But I guess what do you think about this pass offense going forward and what's the outlook? You called Zay Flowers a buy, right? Yeah, I think so. I think Lamar Jackson might be a buy right now, too. Um, I, I would expect the offense to get better, like you said. You know, breaking in a new offensive coordinator, um, Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman both missed time. They had some offensive linemen miss some time. So I think the offense will get better the rest of the way. I think Zay Flowers um, has really just underachieved his usage so far, which I think makes him a buy. Flowers is 34th in – PPR points among wide receivers. He's 18th among wide receivers and expected PPR points, 28% target share for Zay flowers. That's 12th highest among wide receivers. His big problem is he just hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And it hasn't been for a lack of opportunity there either. Zay flowers has seven red zone targets and three end zone targets already. He just, you know, has not converted them yet. That's going to change. The big thing for me was Zay flowers, Baltimore's other wide receivers aren't good. <laughs> I mean, Rashad Bateman, Continues to look like a bust, unfortunately. I, I think you know, we both loved him coming in, but he he hasn't delivered. Odell Beckham, he doesn't have much left in the tank. Um, so I think Zay Flowers is going to continue to you know be right there with Mark Andrews as you know the clear top two targets in this passing game. And it's a tough game, fantasy football, to be patient in. And you can lose by being patient sometimes if you're patient about the wrong thing. So the key is to look at exactly what we're working with. And, you know, you alluded to it. Zay Flowers tied for 16th among wide receivers in targets. He's 13th among wide receivers in target share. So he's getting the usage. And you can say it's frustrating that a lot of it's really short and the long stuff's not working you know, they're probably still figuring it out. Again, it's five games into the guy's career. The fact that he's getting that kind of usage can only be seen as a positive because there isn't this other player where we're saying, what if the work goes to that guy? You just mentioned the other competitors. Mark Andrews is obviously always going to be involved, but there's room for both Mark Andrews and a receiver. The question coming into the season was, are they just going to spread it around all these receivers? And the answer so far is no. And there's nothing from Bateman or Odell Beckham to suggest that they're about to pick up this huge chunk. There is plenty to suggest that there's room to just get Zay Flowers going to a point where we can count on him every week. And on the Lamar Jackson side, he's completing 70% of his passes so far. That's yeah. up from a 63.7% completion rate for his career heading into the season. He's operating on just a 2.8% passing touchdown rate, and he's still scoring fantasy points for us. So you take all of that into account. Also, there's the passing success rate, which is a, a relatively new stat on pro football reference, but it looks back over previous seasons as well. And Lamar Jackson is within half of a percentage point of his career high in that category as well. So the passing game is faring pretty well. It looks disappointing overall, but it's been fairly efficient for what it's trying to and been able to do to this point. So I think if we allow room for it to improve going forward in terms of what it can provide for us fantasy wise, it's easy to see bigger numbers from Lamar Jackson's Zay Flowers ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about Lamar Jackson's low touchdown rate. Uh, Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman both dropped just passes right in their hands in the end zone last week in that Steelers game. The Ravens as a, as a team had seven drops just last week. Um, again, two of those were in the end zone that would have been touchdowns. The, uh, the Ravens have 10 total drops. That's tied for fifth most in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, like you said, is playing really well. He's actually sitting on uh, career highs in both PFF passing grade and adjusted completion rate. 
He ranks uh, top five among all quarterbacks in both of those metrics. Obviously still has the rushing stuff. He's second among quarterbacks in both total carries and design carries. So, I mean, I guess the concern for me with Lamar would be that I don't think the pass catching core is going to get much better. Cause I, you know, I just, I don't have much faith in Rashad Bateman or Odell Beckham getting going, but you also can't expect the team to, you know, be that bad and, you know, drop that many passes. Um, so I do think, you know, that fact alone will, you know, will, you know, make Lamar Jackson a better fantasy producer going forward than he has so far. Cause he's only sitting quarterback nine in total fantasy points and quarterback 10 in points per game. So again, you know, his owner might be kind of disappointed. So I think there, there, you know, might be a chance to acquire Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, and what you're betting on is better luck for Lamar Jackson's scoring category and maybe some yardage efficiency, but it's not like you're you're making the bet that one of those receivers is going to get a lot better or Lamar Jackson's going to start doing something a lot better. He's been fine. Say Flowers is looking pretty good. Mark Andrews is there. Scoring is going to get better. So it's a, it's a modest bet. There's modest risk here. The Dallas offense, however, might be another question of just how much risk because that offense has been disappointing by any measure so far. And Jared, I think rather than look at the overall thing first, let's get into the individual players. The first question is, do you drop Dak Prescott? And I'm not even sure I would have questioned that before, but somebody dropped Dak Prescott in my main event league on FFPC last week. I picked him up this week. So I guess before we talk any further about that, is is it really worth considering dropping Dak Prescott outright in you know any leagues of 10 plus teams probably not i mean 12 teams he should definitely be rostered even 10 teams i think he should be rostered at this point for starters i mean Dak gets the the chargers on monday night who are literally dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks you know Dak this week sits inside our our top 12 i think if you don't have you know locked in quarterback starter Dak is a solid option this week then even you know beyond that the cowboys actually have the best remaining strength of schedule at quarterback, you know, based on our adjusted fantasy points allowed metric after the chargers this week, they have a buy in week seven, but then they get the Rams Eagles and giants just, uh, you know, the, the next three games. So it's a nice stretch of, of schedule for Dak Prescott. I, I think I mentioned it too on uh, the waiver show earlier this week, just Cowboys have played one like normal game this season. That Cardinals game was like, you know, kind of close enough throughout the other ones. They've either gotten blown out or blown out the opponent, which you know, has definitely, impacted probably the production and if nothing else, the playing time, right? Like they, they've been pulling guys late in these games. So it's still a, a tough offense for me to try to analyze just because it's been such a funky start to the season for Dallas. And, and I mean, none of us loved Mike McCarthy or upgraded him for getting rid of Kellen Moore, but he is an experienced NFL coach. The new coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer is an experienced NFL coach. They're not morons. They've coached in football, even if they do things differently than how we would like them to fantasy wise. I mean, it's not like they're just going to keep plodding along and be like, well, whatever we're doing is fine. Players need to figure out uh, how to make it work. So if Dak Prescott gets dropped in your league, I would say pick him up. I spent 27% of my fab budget on him. I got him. The next highest bid was 8.8%. I'm not sure I would typically recommend going that high to get him, but you know, these are fairly unique leagues in that it's a large tournament format. So you're looking for ultimate scoring. I have Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback so far, which is good enough, but if he doesn't rebound scoring wise, I want to have another option in a similar range, especially once we get to those playoff weeks. And a lot of these running backs that people are bidding on are already gobbled up in this league. I have eight running backs on my roster, including Jordan Mason and Keaton Mitchell. Imari DiMarcato was rostered before this week. Keontae Ingram was rostered before this week. So 
this is a different spot, but I think in general, if Dak Prescott hits the waivers, unless you're already sitting on two quality quarterbacks, or if you have a strong starter and would have to give up a worthwhile wide receiver running back, stash Dak, even if he's your second quarterback. Yeah, I would have loved to have found Dak available in my main event league where I have Anthony Richardson, but no, <laughs> no luck for me. Sorry. Uh, so his lead pass catcher most of the time, C.D. Lamb, has also been disappointing to this point. So, Jared, what do we do with C.D. Lamb right now besides pray that it turns around if he's on our team? <laughs> yeah, Lamb, uh, wide receiver 21 in PPR points per game, wide receiver 25 in expected PPR points per game. Um, and again, part of that is the fact that, you know, Dallas in a lot of these games hasn't done much in the fourth quarter. Actually, uh, our, our buddy Mike Clay posted a, a table kind of showing Cowboys target shares in quarters one through three versus quarter four. Um, and CD Lamb does have a 23% target share in the first three quarters of games this season. That's up from his 21% target share in total. So his usage has probably been a bit better than it looks, but it's, I mean, it's still down from last year. He was at a 28% target share last year. Now, I don't know if you caught uh, Jerry Jones comment. He was, it was a radio appearance on Monday. And I guess he, he was asked um, if he wants to get the ball to, C.D. Lamore and Jones said, quote, I don't know about that. I like seeing the ball go to tight ends. <laughs> so, you know, not, I mean, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how involved uh, Jones is in the play calling. Hopefully not at all. Um, but, you know, not, not great to hear that the owner doesn't want his, uh, you know, stud number one wide receiver to get the ball more. Last thing I had on C.D. Lamb, the, Cow the Cowboys have the third best remaining strength of schedule for wide receivers. And it's just a good schedule the rest of the way for Dallas's passing game. So I think that's, you know, you could look to that as a reason that, you know, hopefully these guys can, can uh, you know, get going a little bit. If Jerry Jones is the OC, then we should get rid of Cowboys as <laughs> as quickly as possible. I think that Jerry Jones is a mouthpiece. He's always had his um, opinions on football. You know, he is a football lifer, so he's certainly welcome to have his opinions. But if he's actually involved in offensive game planning, the things are worse in Dallas than any of us believe. So I'm not going to factor that in at all. I do think that CeeDee Lamb is a buy right now. The target share is down overall. I expect that to rebound some. If it doesn't, then that's going to be trouble going forward. But CeeDee Lamb has a catch rate, yards per catch, and success rate that are all better than they were last year. The Cowboys offense, as we mentioned, is a mess overall. It's 19th in total offensive DVOA. The simplest fix for that, to me, seems like, oh, let's get the ball to our best playmaker more often. And it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult to scheme up a little bit more for CeeDee Lamb. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. It helps that there's a matchup with the Chargers this week that really should allow them to try to do whatever they want and just be a high-scoring game situation in general. So anybody that you're wondering about or worrying about or hoping that they'll rebound, go ahead and start them this week, unless it's Brandon Cooks. Then you're just uh, hoping a little <laughs> bit too much. But it's a great rebound spot for CeeDee Lamb. I would yep. love to get him before it and then benefit if he does have, you know, this blow up week that is possible in the matchup. And again, Rams, Eagles, Giants for Lamb after the bye week. And, you know, the Eagles maybe are the toughest matchup among those three, but he, he's had some big games against Philly in recent years working out of the slot. Tony Pollard is another interesting prospect. What are you doing with Tony Pollard this <laughs> week? Or beyond this week, even. Pollard's kind of the opposite of CeeDee Lamb, where the usage has definitely been there, right? I mean, he's Pollard is sixth among running backs in expected fantasy points, but he's just 15th among running backs in actual fantasy points. And that, that's simply because his efficiency across the board, anything you look at, Pollard is way down from where he's been. He's sitting on career lows and a bunch of stuff. Career low, PFF rushing grade, career low, yards after contact per attempt, career low, missed tackles forced. 
per attempt, even in the passing game. I mean, his second lowest PFF receiving grade. So I can't take credit for this, but someone kind of compared Pollard to Lamar Miller. You remember him from maybe, you know, 10 years ago now or so, but he was awesome on like a early career Pollard role where he was getting like eight to 12 touches per game. But then he finally got this chance to be a workhorse back and he disappointed, you know, the efficiency dropped and he was, you know, just okay. So I don't know. I, I still have some, hope for Pollard that if this Cowboys offense gets going and, and again, the schedule will help here. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's tough for me to trade away a running back getting that type of usage. You know, there's just not many backs that are, you know, getting almost all the work as Pollard is. This should make you feel better, Jared. It wasn't quite 10 years ago. It was just seven years ago that Lamar Miller went from feels the like Dolphins 10. to the yeah. Texans. It's <laughs> only because you're a dad now. Tony Pollard is somebody that I, I'm not selling just for the sake of selling him, but I am selling. I'm going to go ahead and try it this week. I think one very specific way to try it is take Tony Pollard and try to just offer him straight up to the Austin Eckler manager in your league, who obviously has been frustrated and is probably excited that Austin Eckler is coming back this week. But before getting Eckler back on the field, there's still room to worry about whether that injury is going to affect him, that ankle sprain. I would go ahead and offer Tony Pollard there because I think Austin Eckler is going to be a much better fantasy player going forward. But here more specifically is why I'm selling Tony Pollard. Eighth in opportunity share to this point, 11th in PPR points. So he's been disappointing on his usage, but it's not like he's been awful fantasy production wise. There's enough points there to make him look attractive. He's working on career lows in yards per carry, yards per catch, yards after contact per attempt, yards per route. His elusive rating is way down from where it was before. His PFF grades are down in every category. Yards before contact per attempt, though, right in line with last year. So that tells you that his blocking is not the problem. It's doing all right. The Cowboys sit 12th in adjusted line yards. So there's been good opportunity. There's been solid to good blocking. There's been poor performance. And we haven't even gotten later into the season where Tony Pollard has taken a bunch of hits and potentially worn down from this extra workload that is well beyond what he's had at any point in his football career, dating back to college where he was basically a wide receiver. So to me, Tony Pollard, and it, this is a good time to test the market because I would go ahead and try to sell him this week. And if it doesn't work out, again, it's a big return that I'm looking for, not just whatever I can get. If it doesn't work out this week, keep him through the Chargers game, which just like I said for CeeDee Lamb is a great spot to get some rebound numbers. And then a week from now, Tony Pollard might be a very attractive piece that you could much more easily get that big return for. And he will still be a sell for me for all the same reasons. Yeah. So I would definitely trade Pollard for Eckler straight up. I would trade Pollard for Bajan Robinson straight up. And I would probably maybe trade Pollard for Travis Etienne straight up. But to me, that's it at running back. If you're talking one for one trades, I wouldn't trade Pollard for any other running back one for one. Now, if you want to get into, you know, if you're loaded at running back and can afford to trade Pollard, like trade him for, I'm on Ross St. Brown or Devonta Adams. Like I think those would be good moves too, but and that's got to me, just trading a workhorse back like this is tough. You have to be in position where you're deep enough at the position to, you know, survive without Pollard. Even if he's disappointing, he's, I think he's still probably going to be, you know, a top 12 fantasy back the rest of the way. For sure. But if you want to get value back, you got to give up something. And in this case, I think you could be giving up something that disappoints um, going forward. Speaking of somebody that's disappointing us going forward, Justin Jefferson is going to miss at least four games, and then we'll see beyond that with the hamstring injury. Right now, Jared, would you trade him for Kenneth Walker or Devontae Smith? And that is a question from a Discord user as well. Would you trade Justin Jefferson straight up for either Kenneth Walker or Devontae Smith? Yeah, and, and of course, I mean, we always give caveats with these. It's tough, and I think with Jefferson, it matters where your team is at. 
right? If you're, if you're five and zero right now, um, you can hang on to Jefferson or maybe even try to acquire him. If you're two and three or one and four, I think it's time to, you know, try to maybe sell him off. See what the best you can get is. I like Jefferson for Walker. I would just do that, you know, depending on how your team looks. Jefferson for De- Devontae Smith, I probably wouldn't do. Unless, again, if you're like one and four and you're really hurting at wide receiver without Justin Jefferson, then I you know, might con- consider trading him for someone at, you know, Devonta Smith's level. I agree. I-, I would probably have to be in rough shape at wide receiver to trade Justin Jefferson straight up for any wide receiver. I think if you need the running back help, if Kenneth Walker is going to upgrade your running back core, I would go ahead and make that move. There are lots of wide receivers, and I was looking at for this question in that range from like wide receiver 12 in our rankings to wide receiver 40 or 45 that still have (laughs) wide ranges of potential outcomes this year, still have lots of room to vary their production for you quite a bit week to week where you could go two weeks in a row like we have with Devontae Smith and think that this guy stinks now and he's going to hurt you the rest of the season. And then you can turn around the next two weeks and be like, oh, what was I thinking? Why did I trade that guy away? He just had two awesome games. I forgot he's Devontae Smith. So, you know, part of it is you have to just know that most of these wide receivers are going to vary wildly week to week. And in that case, I think that assuming I'm not totally desperate for help, the range of like Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle is probably about as low as I would go for trading Justin Jefferson straight up. You know, if I'm in a situation where, like I said, I'm not totally desperate, but I am at a level where I could be in trouble over the next four weeks. I think CD lamb, if you talk about him as a buy, like he's a guy, I might, you know, go out and try to acquire from the Jefferson owner right now for oh, Jefferson. Yeah. Um, I mean, I other thing with Jefferson too. I just want to note, like he's going to miss four games on IR. The Vikings are one in four. Their next four games are Bears, 49ers, Packers, Falcons. So it's not, I mean, the, the 49ers game is going to be a loss. The other three are are winnable. So I don't know if maybe they go two and two and they're, they're three and six when Jefferson's eligible or turn and, you know, maybe they're still in the mix. It's possible they're out of it by the time Jefferson's eligible to come back. He's looking for a new contract. And Adam Schefter had this tweet, you know, he said, quote, here's the other unspoken issue that could potentially length, lengthen Justin Jefferson's absence. If the Vikings don't win games and stay competitive, what is Jefferson's incentive to rush back? And he went on a little more, but like, it wasn't a report, but like, he wouldn't just tweet that he must have heard something that, you know, made him think Jefferson might be out longer than the four weeks required. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up missing, missing more than four games. Yeah, you at least have to entertain the possibility that he misses more than four games, which was already mentioned just on the injury front, even without the contract consideration. So, you know, plenty of uncertainty ahead for Jefferson. It's going to depend on your situation. If you are looking at any other buy or sell candidates, and I'm not the only one selling Tony Pollard this week, you can find him in our Trade Targets article. But that Trade Targets article that comes out every Wednesday afternoon has buy, sell, and hold recommendations, you know, for varied situations. We also have the big old chart up top that compares our valuations on players with how the market is currently valuing each of those players. So you can seek out your own buy and sell opportunities. Like I said, new one hits the site every Wednesday afternoon. So check it out this week and every week going forward. Jared, even before we started talking about this week's trade targets article, you threw out by Matthew Stafford. So what's the by Matthew Stafford? <laughs> well, he got Cooper Cup back and Cup looked healthy and, you know, Puka Nakua still, it's just, it's a nice wide receiver core. The Rams are already ninth in pass rate over expected through five games. I would expect that to climb now. 
that they have Cooper Cup back. The Rams are also first in plays per game. That that's been um, a regular thing under Sean McVay. Last year they dropped way off in play volume, but in McVay's first three or four years or whatever it was, the Rams were near the top of the league in plays. So I just think Stafford really has a chance to lead the NFL in pass attempts the rest of the way. I think, especially with you know Cousins probably dropping off without Jefferson. And I think I, I think Stafford's been playing well. He is bottom five in touchdown rate right now. That plus the fact that he hasn't had Cooper Cup has kind of depressed his fantasy scoring. Stafford has a good chance to be a top twelve fantasy quarterback the rest of the way. So if you are a team that you know doesn't have a locked in starter at the position, you could potentially grab Stafford off waiver still. And if not, he'd probably be pr- pretty uh, cheap to acquire. And he's already fourth in the league in passing yards with um, only having Cooper Cup with him for one of five games so far. So, yeah, Yeah. any time that you look at a quarterback and everything else looks good, but the touchdown rate is very low, that guy's an obvious regression candidate. And if you're talking about buying at whatever level a QB2 that has QB1 upside, I think that's the kind of quarterback that you want to try to buy. It can be tougher to buy a QB1 that just needs to rebound in some other area. But if you're taking somebody that – you know, is a second quarterback to begin with certainly easier now elsewhere in that Rams passing game. I think now that we've seen Cooper cup and Puka Nakua together for a game for the first time, there's the natural question of, can I really start both of these guys in the same fantasy lineup going forward? Normally you don't want to have two wide receivers from the same team in the same lineup because it's very difficult for an offense to support both of them. And it's even difficult to just say, well, the passing game is going to be excellent every week. So at least one of them is going to go off for me. In this case, I think this is one of the few spots where it's okay to go ahead and start both of those going forward. It's not, I'm not saying cup and Puka are both going to deliver every week because nobody does that every single week, but we saw high target shares for both of these wideouts in that game against Philly. And like you just said, probably going to be one of the higher pass rate offenses in the league going forward. I mean, I would love to have Cooper cup and Puka Nakua on the same fantasy team. Like I think, I think there's a real chance they're both top 12 fantasy wideouts the rest of the way. We talked about the the pass volume last week, cup and Nakua combined for 62% of the Rams targets. I would definitely not expect that to continue. I mean, just go back, Back last year to Miami, you know, we talked about them as one of the more condensed passing games in recent history. And um, you had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle combined for 49% of Miami's targets last year. I think that is a very reasonable projection for Cup and Akuas, you know, whether it's, you know, 27, 23 in Cups. Are, and, and, and I do think Cup's going to emerge as the top guy now, but I think I think Nakua is still going to stay above a 20% target share in a pass heavy offense. And, you know, that's going to make him again at least, at least a weekly wide receiver, too in our rankings, you know, probably, you know, closer to, to the top 12. In 2021, we had Cooper Cup as the top scoring fantasy wide receiver. We had Robert Woods as wide receiver 18 in PPR points per game. That clearly is possible for Cup and Puka Nakua going forward for both of them to be top 18 wide receivers. So I agree. I think that it's fine to have them. It doesn't mean you can't trade Puka if the right opportunity comes along, but I would not consider him somebody that you have to trade if you have Cooper Cup and he's back. You can start both of these guys. Let's wrap this up, Jared, by looking ahead to week seven and find a streaming defense. And I'm going to throw out the Cleveland Browns, because they are just 28% rostered on Yahoo coming out of the bye. They have San Francisco this week, so your league mates are not going to want to pick up the Browns for that one. But this Browns defense is going to be startable against most offenses in the league. So we don't even have to worry so much about matchups for Cleveland. I think it's going to be the kind of defense that you want to try to hang on to the rest of the way. 
And then maybe in their worst spots, you grab a second one and play it over Cleveland that week. But beyond San Francisco, we've got Indian week seven, Seattle, Arizona, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Denver over the next six weeks beyond this week against San Francisco. I think it's possible that you start Cleveland for every single one of those matchups. Yeah, that's exactly what I have here. Watch to see if either if Cleveland's just unowned or if they get dropped in your league this week with this Niners matchup, because outside of Cleveland, I don't see a whole lot to love for streaming defenses next week. We have the commanders and giants playing each other. Yeah, to me, those are like the two best teams to target with defenses right now, but I don't you know trust either of those defenses to deliver. I would definitely prefer the Washington side. Um, if I had to pick in that matchup, um, the bears who are another team, I, I still like attacking. I mean, we'll see if Justin Fields stays hot, but um, the bears get the Raiders. And week seven, I don't really trust the Raiders defense. So it's not a week where I'd go right now grabbing a defense for week seven, unless you can get the Browns. Otherwise I would just, you know, use that roster spot on a, on a backup running back. And then we'll, we'll, uh, you know, figure it out next week. I agree. And frankly, if I have to drop Cleveland to pick up a defense to start instead of Cleveland against San Francisco this week, I probably wouldn't do it unless it's a very good one because you can just start Cleveland against San Francisco and see what happens. And if you take a bad week from your defense, it's probably not killing you, especially because what you're picking up is no sure thing. Just to remind everybody about the Browns defense a little, they're allowing 3.8 yards per play through four games before the bye. Second best in the league in net yards allowed per pass attempt, which also factors in sacks. Tied with Seattle for fewest yards allowed per rush. Tops in overall defensive DVOA, number one against the pass, number three against the run. So they're good against everything right now. Yeah, I'm just looking at our week six rankings. Like I think Bills, 49ers, Eagles, Chiefs, and Ravens, if one of them happens to be available in your league, I'd be fine dumping Cleveland for them for this week. Otherwise, I would probably just, I would just you know keep the Browns. Agreed. You can find those rankings on DraftSharks.com. You can also find lots more weekly content available. We've got the weekly Dynasty Risers and Fallers. We've got Jared's weekly usage takeaways, updated pass rate over expected data. We've got Herms's weekly Dynasty Spotlight, which this week focuses on Sam Laporta, tries to place him in the appropriate context for Dynasty rosters going forward. Check it all out. And you can get access to the free agent finder, the trade navigator, and the rest of our tools by becoming a DS insider. So go ahead and do that if you haven't done so already. All of it is built and provided to help you win your season. 